0: with me, if you will, to the Old Testament book of Judges. I'll give you plenty of time to turn back with me to Judges chapter 13, where we will be reading together in just a few moments. Thank you for being here this morning. We want to hear from God. We want to open God's Word and treat Him and His revealed will to us as our our north star, the path. That he has provided to to lead us home. And we are so thankful that he has given us so much wisdom, so much instruction. As we open our Bibles back to Judges chapter 13, we are entering into a, a bit of a complicated story. If you're following along in our daily Bible reading schedule, you read Judges Chapter 13, this past Friday, and you were introduced or you were reintroduced to Samson. How many lessons can we draw from the life of Samson? Good lessons, encouraging lessons, not so good lessons, very discouraging, very humbling lessons that can be drawn from this man who was blessed by God with extraordinary physical strength, but I I really don't want to talk with you at all about Samson today, maybe just a closing note at the very end. What I would rather do this morning, what I think God's word provides for us this morning are two fantastic Questions that were asked before Samson was even born. You may not know the name of Samson's father until you open your Bibles to Judges chapter 13 and verse 2 where we are told that there was a certain man of Zora of the tribe of the Danites whose name was Manoah. Manoah lived in a a, a very difficult time. You can skip just before Judges chapter 13 and verse 2. And verse 1 of that chapter very much sets the scene for us. The people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. And if you're familiar at all with this section of the Bible, you know this is a a vicious cycle that we're reading about over and over and over again the Lord raises up a leader for a while the descendants of Abraham follow that leader and there is good that flourishes in individual lives and in families and throughout the nation of Israel but When times are good, human beings now, human beings then have a tendency just to kind of coast a little. Take their eyes off of the mission. Take their eyes off of the God who enables us to fulfill our mission and live life the way it was meant to be. When times are good, it can be very tempting for us to have our eyes firmly fixed on ourselves and what we would like to do. And... When we live as if we are the king and we are free to do whatever it is that we want to do, whatever the consequences, God's word has a word for that. Often, it's described as sin. And in Judges chapter thirteen, we're we're just beginning that vicious cycle all over again, where God disciplines the descendants of Abraham by raising up the Philistines and making the neighboring Philistines a a, a kind of scourge on the back a, a thorn in the side of the children of Israel that's when this man judges 13 verse 2 Manoah lived. his wife we we don't know Her name it's not revealed for us in the book of judges but we do know that that she was barren and she had no children and we read something incredible in judges 13 verse 3 the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman to Manoah's wife and he said to her behold you are barren and have not born children but you shall conceive and bear a son therefore be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean for behold you shall conceive and bear a son no razor shall come upon his head for the child shall be a a Nazarite we can read about that back in the the Old Testament law it was a special kind of vow that someone could make and here Mom is making that vow for that child before this promised, miraculous child is even born. Everything really we need to know about the vow is right here. He shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. He shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. For 40 years we've lived under the Of these Philistines, and now an angel of God himself is promising a barren woman, Your child will be a deliverer. Verse 6 The woman came and told her husband, A man of God came to me, and his appearance was like the appearance of the angel of God. Very awesome. I did not ask him where he was from and he did not tell me his name but he said to me behold you shall conceive and bear a son so then drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death this is going to be a special child then Manoah he prayed to the Lord and said O oh Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come again to us and teach us what we are to do with the child who will be born. And God listened to the voice of Manoah. And the angel of God came again to the woman as she sat in the field. But Manoah, her husband, was not with her. So the woman ran quickly and told her husband, Behold! The man who came to me the other day has appeared to me and Manoah arose and went after his wife and came to the man and said to him, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said, I am. And Manoah said, Now when your words come true, what is to be the child's manner of life and what is his mission? The angel of the Lord said to Manoah, of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat of anything that comes from the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink or eat any unclean thing. All that I commanded her, let her observe over the course of the next several verses Manoah comes to realize who it is really that he's talking to It's no ordinary man by the time we get down to verse 21 the angel of the Lord he's disappeared and and he appears no more to Manoah and to his wife then Manoah knew that this was the angel of the Lord and he said to his wife We shall surely die. For we have seen God. Sometimes husbands overreact a little and it it takes a wife to speak a little bit of common sense. And and that's what she does in verse 23. If the Lord had meant to kill us, He would not have accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering at our hands or shown us all these things or now announced to us such things as these. Verse 24 tells us just very briefly about the fulfillment of this promise. The woman bore a son and called his name Samson. Now I'm guessing just about everybody in this room has heard the name Samson before. Even if you didn't read on Friday Judges 13 or tomorrow you read Judges 14, I'd certainly encourage you to do that. Our, Our schedule is right there on the inside of your bulletin for this week. And you can read all about the life of this exceedingly Strong man. I'm guessing very few of us, if we had been pulled on our way in, could have given right off the top of our heads the name of Samson's father. But there are a few things that really impress me. And I hope impress you, make an impression on all of us about this man did you notice there in judges chapter 13 and verse 8 what this man does when he doesn't understand I I've never heard anything like this before I'm not sure how this could be possible I have no idea when it would happen why it's happening the what behind the happening but I do know this I can pray To the God of my forefathers. I can pray to the God of Abraham and Isaac. And Jacob. And I want you to notice in the rest of Judges 13 verse 8. It's not just a, a rote, memorized prayer. Something that just flows right off the tip of his tongue. That he's heard all of his life. But he makes it. Really personal. And what it does is reveal the posture of his heart. God, I don't understand one bit of this. Would you teach us? In fact, keep your hand right there in Judges 13 or a marker and turn with me right to the middle of your Bible. Psalm 119. And I want to try and make this as as personal and practical for all of us in this room right here this morning. You know Samson's name a whole lot more than you know the name of his father. But this man... Had a strength that ought to be noticed. Ought to be admired. Ought ought to be imitated. When he's not sure what's going on. His inclination is to pray. And to pray something very specific. God, you know more than we do. God, you know better than we do. God, you know when and we don't. You know why and we don't. You know how and we we most certainly don't. And so, God, would you teach us? Let me show you. Is your Bible open there to Psalm 119: How often we run across this sort of refrain. Psalm 119, verse 12. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. Look at verse 26. When I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Look at verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. You might have to turn a page, but look at verse 64. Psalm 119, verse 64. The earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. Verse 66, teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Verse 68, you are good and do good, teach me your statutes. You might have to turn another page, look at verse 108, Psalm 119, verse 108. Accept my free will offerings of praise, O Lord, teach me your rules. Verse 124, deal with your servant according to your steadfast love and teach me your statutes. Verse 135, make your face shine upon your servant. It's a beautiful thing to say, to pray. We often hear that sort of language in one of these psalms that we open our Sunday morning services with, right? God, would you shine your face on us? It's a beautiful thing to pray. Let's just make sure we appreciate what comes next. It is not, God, would you shine your face on your servant while I do whatever I want to do that's not how it works it is not God would you shine your light on your servant while I act as if I know better than you no that's not how it works the door is there Manoah had learned to pray Teach me. You and I are being taught to pray over and over and over again right here in the heart of the Bible. God, would you make your face shine on your servant and, second line of verse 135, teach me. Teach me the way I ought. To go, Let's go back to Judges 13, back to the book of, uh, of Judges and the story of Manoah. Three things that really stand out to me about this man that we don't know a whole lot about. He, he prayed to the Lord. And, and because that prayer is recorded, we get a glimpse into the posture of his heart. God, would you teach us? And then I want you to notice in verse 12, he believes. He believes God's words. Judges 13, verse 12. Now when your words come true. Let's not take that for granted. Manoah does not understand the what, or the why, or the when, or the where, or the how. He's got a little bit of a glimpse into the who, but that's shaky at best. But Manoah believes if these words are from God, these words are going to come true. So could I ask you a really personal question this morning? Do you believe that God's words are going to come true? If you don't, we're glad that you're here. If you're not sure, we're glad that you're here. And we would love to talk more with you about that. We would love to have a conversation with you about why you should believe God's words are going to come true even before you leave this morning. I'm guessing what got most all of us out of bed on a holiday weekend is because this is the Lord's Day, a blessing from God. He knows what we need better than we know ourselves, and we believe His words are going to come true. That's why we're out of bed on a Sunday morning of a holiday weekend. We believe God's words are going to come true. But for the rest of our time this morning, could I draw a line from that principle to two really important questions? Because I cannot say, you cannot say, I believe God's words are going to come true without taking these two questions seriously. But the reason you ask these two questions Is because you believe the God behind the words. And all that I've done is is take these two questions from Judges 13 verse 12 and, and made them personal for me and for you. Two great questions that Samson's father asked. Number one, in relation to this promised son, what is his manner of life to be? We can very easily make that personal, can't we? What is to be my manner of life? If you're following along in our our interactive outline there, you can see directly under that I I have three prompts. And and it's not going to bother me if you fill in those prompts right now or if you just think through them with me, I would encourage you, if you don't right now, To spend some time this afternoon, this evening. Listen, tomorrow is a holiday. You're gonna have time to fill in these three prompts. Because we're trying to make this as personal and applicable as possible, right? I'm a. And how do you fill in that blank? I'm a man, I'm a woman. I'm a single person. I'm a husband. I'm I'm a wife. I've gone through a divorce. I'm a father. I'm a mother. I'm a grandfather. I, I'm a grandmother. I'm I'm a student. I'm an employee. I'm an employer. What do you do for a living? There, there's, there's all sorts of things that you can put in that prompt. And I would really encourage you to take a little bit of time to fill that in. I may, how would you do it? And then, this week, I'll, I'll what? Some of us will go to school. Some of us will go to work. Some of us will enjoy retirement. Some of us will go out of town. Some of us will work around the house. Some of us will work within our apartment or our condominium or our townhouse. Some of us will travel. Some of us will meet with other people. There are appointments already on the calendar. Some of us will interview for or we will work on or we will plan for. Make that personal, whomever you are. I am... This week I'll... And number three, I'm, I'm passionate about. For some of you, yesterday was all about college football. For some of you, yesterday was all about enjoying some time out because your husband was all about college football. How do you fill in those Those blanks. I'm passionate about reading. I'm passionate about the outdoors. I'm passionate about decorating. I'm passionate about landscaping. I'm passionate about movies and television and social media. How is it that you would fill in those blanks? I may, this week I'll, and I'm passionate about. Could I encourage you, whatever you put, you put in those blanks. If you believe that there is a God and you believe that His words are true and that His words are going to come true, whatever you put in those blanks cannot, should not, must not be divorced from, living in a completely different realm from, truth. Not as I define it, not as you define it, not as any group of human beings define it. But as you remember what I asked you, do you believe God's words are true? Do you believe they're really going to happen? And if you do, could I, could I maybe just turn one more little practical application to try and, and make this as relatable as possible? What is to be my manner of life? Here is a human being created by God, treating God as if God is the only one who really has the right to answer that question. God, you're my creator. You get to define life the way, my life, the way it was meant to be. Would you teach me what is true? And as you speak, what is my manner of life to be is to be honest. I need truth. Because when I shut the truth out, when I act as if I, my truth, whatever that ambiguous blob of an idea is, is is somehow better more wise more enduring than god's truth i i make a mess of things i make a mess of my individual life i make a mess of my marriage i make a mess of the lives of my children the people around me you do too that's why we we started really fundamentally this morning do you believe god's words are true and if the if you do It defines your manner of life. Honest. I need truth. Hungry. Number two, I want truth. That's what that psalmist in Psalm 119 was saying. God, teach me, teach me, teach me. I want to know what is true. Number three, humble. Because it's one thing to say I need truth, and I want truth, but then when I get it, you know what? I'm not sure I'm interested in that. But you see, I, I can't say in all honesty and, and authenticity, I believe God's words are true. I believe God's words are going to come true, and then say... I'll take this over here, but not this. No. Honest, hungry, humble. I accept your truth, God. And the Bible way for living, the Bible word for living, what he teaches us is holiness. What is to be my manner of life what is to be your manner of life fantastic question honest hungry humble and holy but Manoah asked one more question god I I'm not sure how this is going to to come about would you teach us We believe that your words are going to come true, and so we want to know, what is to be the manner of life of this child, and number two, what is his mission? Let's make that personal this morning. What's my mission? Turn in your Bibles with me to the New Testament book of Ephesians, would you? Ephesians. We will read together in just a moment from Ephesians chapter 4. What is my mission? Could I give you four basic answers to that question? And they are simply tied to, in the New Testament, the times that we read about manner of life sort of stuff. That was our first question. What's my manner of life to be? Well, we run across that language far as I can tell four different times in the New Testament the first of those is in Ephesians chapter 4 what's my mission my mission is to answer God's call you see that in Ephesians 4 verse 1 few words into that verse the calling to which you have been called God your Creator is calling you to live a particular kind of life this is your mission well we've already been taught by Manoah to ask in what manner what is to be my manner of life that's the language used in Ephesians 4 verse 1 I therefore a prisoner for the Lord Urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience. What's to be my manner of life? Maybe patience doesn't come naturally to me. But you see, my question to God was not, God, what do I already have that you can use that I don't have to work on all that much? I just kind of like myself the way I am. I'm not interested in this transformation business. No, that's, that's not the mission. The mission is to walk in a way that answers this call. And my heart, your heart starts getting worked on gentleness patience bearing with one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace there's one body you know we live in a different era than manoa and and the judges this is the era we live in there's one body It's called the church in Ephesians chapter 1. One spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. What's my mission? To answer God's call. Now I want you to think back to what you wrote in that first blank. I'm a. I'm a man, I'm a woman, I'm a, a single person, I'm a husband, I'm a wife, I'm a father, mother, grandparent, student, employee, employer, what, whatever it is that you put in that blank. And I want you to realize with me this morning, God's mission is bigger than those things. It doesn't matter how I answered any of those things. Man, woman, single, married. This mission applies to everybody. And it's bigger than, well, this is how I would introduce myself to a stranger. Above everything else, God has a call on my life. Let's go to the next book of the Bible, Philippians chapter 1. And notice how Paul uses the same kind of language. What's my mission? My mission, number two, is to get in step with the gospel. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Here it is again. Manner of life stuff. That was Manoah's first question. Philippians 1.27 Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent I may hear of you that you are standing firm. My, my mission is to get in step with the gospel. Well, in what manner? What is to be my manner of life? Stand firm. In one spirit, with one mind, striving together side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. What's my mission? To get in step with the gospel. I want you to think back to the second thing you wrote. After I'm a... This week I'll... What sort of things do you put in that blank? Go to school. Go to work. Work around the house. I'll travel. I'll, I'll meet with this person. I'll interview for that. I'll, I'll work on. I'll, I'll, I'll plan for. But would you come face to face with me this morning to the fact that this mission is bigger than all of those things? If what I love to do prompts me to step outside of the gospel. I may love to do it, but I'm outside of God's will. If I have to, the the gospel is heading this way, but I have to take a detour over here in order to do what I want to do. I'm not living up to my mission. The mission is bigger than my plans for this week. I want you to see that let's go to the next book of the Bible Colossians chapter 1 where Paul uses manner of life sword of language Colossians chapter 1 you can start reading with me in verse 9 and so from the day we heard we have not ceased to pray for you asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk What's my mission? What's your mission? To please the Lord in the way you walk. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. What is to be my manner of life? Verse 11, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. What's to be your manner of life is to be all about giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in in, in life. What is to be your manner of life? To live with this awareness. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. What's my mission? To please the Lord in the way that I walk. And so I want you to think about the third blank. After I may and this week I'll... I'm passionate about. And would you come face to face with me? And with the scriptures and God's will for your life that if you're passionate about college football, but the way you conduct yourself while you're watching it isn't pleasing to the Lord, you need to stop watching college football. Because the mission is bigger than what you're passionate about. I'm passionate about reading, I'm passionate about the outdoors, I'm passionate about decorating, I'm passionate about landscaping, movies, television, social media, whatever it is. If I'm passionate about so many of those things that God's will, God's priorities for my life get pushed to the back burner... I need to be reminded that his mission is more important than what I'm passionate about. I need to do some pruning because the mission is bigger than me. It is bigger than you. Father, mother, if you wrote in, I'm a father, I'm a mother, I'm a grandfather, I'm a grandmother, I want you to hear me loud and clear. Part of your mission, the reason you have air to breathe this morning, is to communicate God's answers to your children. What's my mission? And if we treat travel baseball as more important than pleasing the Lord in the way that we walk, we're sending the wrong message. We're defining the wrong mission. If our children see us with plenty of time for streaming whatever we want to stream and no time for reading God's Word, no time for praying, we're sending, we're raising a generation with the wrong mission. And if you want to know how that goes, read the book of Judges with us. It doesn't go well. The mission is bigger than me. It's bigger than what I do for a living. It's bigger than what I like to do on the weekends. It's bigger than what I'm passionate about. Because this mission has an ultimate end. You go with me, if you will, to 2 Peter chapter 3. What's my mission? To live in the light of Jesus' coming. 2 Peter chapter 3. You start reading with me in verse 8 2nd Peter 3 verse 8 do not overlook this one fact beloved that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness but is patient toward you not wishing that any should perish but that all should reach repentance but the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people? What is to be my manner of life? Do you see two great questions buried deep in the story of Samson's father? What sort of people ought you to be? Well, what's the mission? To be holy as he is holy. To grow, to be more and more like God every day. And to wait for, not even just wait for, but to hasten. Earnestly look forward to the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Two great questions asked by Samson's father What is to be my manner of life. We heard honest, hungry, humble, holy. You know what that sounds a whole lot like? When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. God, I want to be humble. I want to be honest. I want to be hungry. And then he calls me to love my neighbor as myself. I want to be holy. I want to live your truth. And we heard a lot about the mission. And I'd suggest to you a whole lot of what we heard really just revolves around Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14. When all that needs to be said has been said. What, why are we here? What's our purpose? Fear God. Keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of mankind. Because God is going to bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing. Whether good or bad. Manoah had the faith to ask these questions. His son didn't always care about these questions. Especially the manner of life question. And if I'm honest, if you're honest, I I haven't always cared about these questions. And neither have you. the reason we are out of bed on a sunday morning of a holiday weekend is because somebody did because he loved you somebody lived this because he loved me somebody died for this because he loved us and he's no longer in the grave and those times that you and i have neglected ignored acted as if we know better than god with these questions those sins can be washed away in his blood we're going to stand and sing an invitation song inviting you to respond to the Lord who lived life the way it was meant to be because he loved you and if you're willing to turn away from sin and confess your belief that He's the Son of God and you need Him as your Savior and you want to wash those sins away in baptism so that you can be raised to walk in newness of life. This invitation right here, right now, is for you. Would you let us know how we can help by coming to the front while we stand and sing together?